Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Slaying Self-Doubt podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Wallace. Um, excuse my voice, I am um, suffering from allergies, a cold or something I got from my son. Um, so bear with me if my voice goes in and out and I sound like Lady Eloise, my apologies. Um, uh, so just a very transparent moment right now. Today is December 15, 2018. Um, I recorded the first podcast in July of 2018. Um, when I tell you that the enemy has been busy in um, trying to discourage me, make me fearful to do this, um, it, it was working. Uh, it, it really was working all the way up until this week. Um, and this week is kind of reminding me why I needed to do this in the first place. I knew the reason why. And you know, um, even though I knew it, I kind of felt like, hey, how am I going to do this when I haven't even slayed my own self-doubt? And um, it took conversations with many different people, conversations with myself, prayer, reading, worship, all types of things that just kind of realized that this is a part of the journey. And in order for me to be transparent, which is one of the things that... Um, I believe why God um, put this on my heart is that I am very transparent that um, that we're going to have to go through this together because nobody has it all together all the time. And I think that, um, well, I know that I wanted to be right in all the different things that I was going to talk to you about. Not right, but already have it done so I could say, oh, yes, you know, you can do it, this, that, and the third um, because I did it. And the reality is, is that that's not true. Um, and so this is going to be about my journey of slaying self-doubt as long with yours. And I hope that, um, me just sharing my ideas, my stories, my journey, my trials, my triumphs, all those things will help you realize that you're not alone in this situation and that there's somebody out here going through the same thing as you are, regardless of what it may look like on the outside um, we all have fears, we all have doubt, we all have anxiety, we all have insecurities. Um, and yeah, like the whole purpose of this is to push past all of that to get it done. Um, and so today I decided to just share my story a little bit. Um, before I wanted to share my story, I kind of wanted to talk to some people that were going to be involved in it because I know that a lot of the topics that I already wrote out that I want to talk about um, it don't just involve me. It, it's a part of my journey. Um, and so they've been a part of it. So one of the biggest things I want to do is to never disrespect anybody or never make anybody feel like I'm telling their story the way um, they don't see it. Um, but this is my story. So um, here goes. Uh, so back in like 2002, um, I had got a new job. I just finished um, medical assistant school. That was a story all in itself, but never, never, never mind that. Um, and I was working at the externship, and um, I had this moment where uh, my tongue felt numb. And so, being in um, the medical field, and also having some experience with other people in my family who had suffered from um, these type of conditions. I kind of knew what it was, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So the doctor that I was working with at the time, um, I asked him and he's like, you know, it could be, but you don't know. So by the time I got home, 
Um, I kept like checking my face and doing all these other things. And I went into the bathroom and I stuck out my tongue and it didn't go straight. It kind of went to the side. So that was the moment I realized that I had Bell's palsy or I was getting ready to have Bell's palsy. Um, and so uh, Bell's palsy is a um, condition where a nerve in your body becomes paralyzed, not in your face, I'm sorry, becomes paralyzed. And it looks like a stroke, but it's not a stroke. Um, it's just your face is paralyzed. Um, so that night I left, I went, I think my sister went with me, we went to the emergency room. Um, they gave me like a steroid, some medications for it. It's not really treatable unless you have something. Everything came back negative. So medically I was fine. It was just my face. Um, and so needless to say, that is what started my doubt. Um, prior to that, like, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was normal, you know, I had been told that I was, you know, fairly attractive, whatever the case may be. Um, and I think a part of me probably, uh, because of my looks and my figure, I think I kind of, um, settled in on that, that I wasn't, I didn't have a problem in that area, so to speak. Right. Um, but now we're talking about my face, like everybody can see my face. And if you've never seen anybody with Bell's palsy in the beginning stages, like one eye does not shut. You cannot blink. Um, you can't drink out of a straw. You are like drooling because your tongue is numb. Your mouth is numb. You got to force yourself to blink. Um, I wore like an eye patch over my eye for like weeks. The crazy part about it is, is so, okay, that happened. And then we went to Georgia to pick up my cousin. I don't even know if she remembers this, but... <laughs> Drove all the way to Georgia to pick my cousin and my grandmother and her daughter up. And I drove back home with the one eye, like, because I needed the eye patch. But the baby was small. She was breastfeeding. Like, oh, my gosh, when I think about this now, it was a mess. But anyway, we got home, clearly, because that was 2002. It was 2018. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I think that it just it like, it struck a chord with me, you know, it was like, that was, I was like 22. I'm like, am I prime? You know, you're dating, you're out and about, whatever the case may be. And I just, I felt like I was ugly. I felt like I wasn't attractive anymore. I kept thinking to myself, who would want a girl who has a crooked face? Who would want some, marry somebody like that? I'm never going to have kids. All these things just caught it, just it just consumed me. And so I kind of went into like this shell, so to speak, um, for me. I can say now that, you know, I've never shared any of this with anybody. I don't think I, it even came to fruition that that was even an issue for me until <laughs> probably like 2017. So, um, or 2016 rather. But um, I just kind of went into this little box and um, I think that a lot of times, like, uh, with the doubt and the insecurities, it made me second guess a whole lot of things. It didn't necessarily make me feel like that I was making, always making the right decisions. Um, but, you know, I still lived my life. I still went out. The people who were close to me definitely supported me, my family and my friends. You know, my girls were still, you know, I wasn't like the ugly duckling or anything like that. Even though that was how I felt, that's not how they treated me. You know, we still went to the clubs. We still went to parties, you know, um, and 
I would still get approached, but I just did not feel comfortable. Um, and so after some time, I want to say maybe like a year or so, um, or later on that year, I think that was like the beginning of the year, but later on that year, went to the next year, um, it wasn't as bad to me. It looked like it had just started, but I guess to everybody else, I kind of looked normal or whatever their perception of me was, but I still felt awkward. Right. So I ended up did meeting a guy, did get into a relationship. Um, and we were in a relationship for an extended period of time. Um, and during that relationship, um, I had a second episode of Bill's palsy. And I remember like, it was doing like a stressful time in my life. Um, some, I think it was some, something with my job and um, just trying to figure out what I was going to do next and all these different things. And it happened again. And I'm like, what the crap? What's the, what's the odds of this happening two times, right? Like, okay, so I went and go get this MRI because now they're thinking something, something's got to be wrong with your brain, right? And it's the exact same side of my face. It's not the other side. It's the same side. And so I remember like telling him, Something to the effect of like, you know, I'm pretty sure this is it because now, you know, you didn't see me initially when I had it. You met me after it kind of like on it. But now when you really see my face, you're going to see like how distorted my face is and all this other stuff. And um, I think that uh, I will, I, 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 you know, even after having that conversation, you know, he was like, oh, you know, okay, we've been together for a while, so it wasn't, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal, you know, you with somebody, whatever, whatever, but it still made me, you know, kind of insecure, um, and then, uh, let's say, it's like 2005, so like a year and a half later, um, I get pregnant with my son, um, my older son, and, um, during that pregnancy, that was a very difficult pregnancy for me, um, just being sick, and just, issues going on in our relationship and, you know, things of that sort. Um, on delivery day, I had Bale's palsy again. I, I, by that time I knew, and I remember pushing and, um, just feeling my face like turning. And I just remember like feeling so like, God, why? Like legit was like, my life was falling apart. Um, um, you know, having this baby and, you know, my relationship is not secure and now you're going to screw my face up again. Like, seriously, what else do you want from me? Like, I just, I couldn't. So, um, I was mad, like hot mad. One, because my face was screwed up. Two, because at that time, you know, my son's father and I were not saying eye to eye and, you know, he made a decision to move on and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really like an option. It was just like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, and I felt abandoned. I felt let down. I felt shame. I felt um, insecure all over again. I felt ugly. I felt unwanted. I felt um, disrespected. I just, I felt like God had left me and just kind of put me in this little spot and was like, you figure it out. And so I remember coming home after having like a complete meltdown, went to my mom's house, stayed there for a while. And, um, as I was kind of trying to get myself back together, like, I just remember coming in the house and like crying out to God, like, why, why, why me? Why would you put me in this situation? Why would you make, let me have a baby? Why would you give me bills for me? Why would you let this, you know, man that I was supposed to, you know, even when we broke up, we were engaged, but let this man I was supposed to marry leave. Why would you let all of these, these 
these things happen. And, um, I was angry and, um, I, I, I literally was like, yeah, okay, I'm done with you. Like I was done with God. I didn't want to go to church. I don't want to listen to no worship music. Don't nobody talk to me about nothing. If you, if this, how you going to carry it, I'm going to carry it too. And I just was like, you know, in my mind, I felt like I was just rubbing out on God. That's what I was doing. So for a couple of months, that's exactly what I did. I didn't pray. I didn't think about it. I just was trying to focus on my son, focus on, um, just, in my mind doing me but God right because he still be he's funny so in, in the midst of all of that while I'm on maternity leave or whatever I get a phone call from a former co-worker who's like I know this perfect job for you da, 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 da. and I'm like girl I'm on maternity leave I am not going nowhere I gotta go back to work <laughs> I'm thinking to myself like my man just left me we in a new place I gotta pay rent I gotta pay you know for I got a car note I got daycare I got pampers I got child I ain't got time to be making no big decisions like she's just try it come you know, just see, what do you have to lose? Okay, fine. So I go on the interview. Um, one of the things is that it was, my mom was watching my son at the time. So the job was around the corner from my mom's house, like literally less than 10 minutes. Um, it was closer than when I was working before. Cause, um, prior to that, I was working in, um, DC, um, at a, um, hospital in DC. Um, and so my commute was like, I don't know, depending on the day and the traffic going into Virginia, anybody who's in the DMV area, the sun can be out and it take you three hours to get to work. Like that's just how it be. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. I went, you know, of course I felt discouraged because of my face. I felt discouraged because of my, um, not only my face, but also because of my, um, experience. Like I, it was a managerial job and I didn't have a lot of managerial experience. So, um, I felt nervous. Like I felt like I, I couldn't compete. I felt like they probably had somebody better. And here I was this young girl, cause now I'm 27 years old at the time, this young girl coming in here, I'm sitting at the table with like 40 and 50 year olds. And I'm like, yeah, right. So the girl ends up calling me back and she's like, you know, they said, if I want you, I can have you. So I'm like, okay and so she like so put your notice in bruh no I'm going to work like and she's like no you could just no so I put my note I go back to work I put I go back to work early actually because she needed me so if I had my son in September this was like October ish and so she was like I need you by December uh I ain't supposed to go back to January she's like go back to work after your six weeks put your notice in take another week and then you need to come here Oh no. Sorry, guys. Little technical difficulties. Um, so I put my six weeks in, I mean, sorry, put my two weeks in. I go in, tell them I have about an opportunity and I leave. I got, you know, some more money. So it helped with the fact that, you know, my son's dad had left. Um, it was closer to home. It was closer to daycare. Um, so things were looking up for me, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, even still, I was still mad at God. I still wasn't really, you know, thanking him on those type of things. I felt like, you know, okay, maybe this was his apology. It sounds crazy. Trust me. I know now, but I felt like, okay, you know, you making up for this because you ruined my life a couple of months ago. <laughs> 
Um, and so, uh, I distinctly remember I started the job and, um, I'm still, you know, mad and, you know, just kind of living my life, like who cares and, you know, I'm not worried about anything. Um, and, um, I'm in the house and I hear, I hear him as clear as day, just say, trust me. And I say, what? Like, are you serious? We've been, I've, I've heard God before, you know, I'm one of those people that like, I need to hear you. I tell him, you know, some people say, I don't know how to hear from God. It's a small whisper. I get a vision. I get confirmation. I'm no, I can't figure stuff out. I need you to tell me verbatim exactly what it is you want me to do or whatever it is you want me to say. So I've been very clear about that since I was saved back in 1999. Um, and so as clear as day, he said, I need you to trust me. And i Again, what? Are you serious? Like, do you see where I am? Do you see that I'm in this place? Do you see that I have nobody to help me? Do you see? Because by this time, baby daddy was acting all types of foolish. Do you see what I'm going through? Do you see what's happening with me? Like, my world is falling apart. And you want me to trust you when you created this mess? Like, you could have stopped all of this. You could have not let this happen. You could have not let that happen, but you allow all, why would I put my trust back in you for you to disappoint me? Now, mind you, if someone else was in the house at the time, they would have been like, are you okay? Cause I, I'm literally having this conversation and he just says it again, trust me. And I said, fine, whatever. It's kind of that. Um, so that's what I did. I just kind of trusted him. I you know, wasn't really sure exactly where to start at that. Um, I was going to um, Zion Church um, in Landover, Maryland um, at the time. And I was still kind of like, you know, there, but not there because, you know, I had family and friends that went there as well. Um, so then I started going back. Um, I started going to the Tuesday night dive sessions again. Um, I started volunteering. I started taking some, um, discipleship classes, just different things that kind of like, okay, God, like maybe I just need to do this a different way. And I could tell that there was a shift happening. It was more about, you know, um, my confidence and just kind of being comfortable in the place that I was at. And then in, um, April, I met my, um, now husband, um, at a birthday party and, um, you know, it was, it was somebody's like a mutual friend between the two of us. And, you know, it was, it was a funny story. Shout out to Greg King, um, who came over and just asked like, Hey, my boy want to talk to you. And I'm, you know, kind of like, is your friend mute? Like he can't walk over here. Like we're adults. Like what's going on? Oh, you know, whatever, whatever. So he kind of walks up and then when he walks up, he's like, Oh, you know, uh, Creek, this is Bunny. Bunny, this is Creek. So those are our nicknames. Um, and so we talk and you let him tell it. I spent the next 30 minutes talking about my son. I was a new mom. I probably did. <laughs> I know I did. Um, and it was, um, it was, you know, a decent conversation or whatever. And so uh, it was kind of like, okay, you know, it was whatever. Um, and so by the end of the night, he asked me for my number. I gave him my number and he's probably going to be like, he, this was his extra touch or whatever, but this is what stood out to me. So I get home and my phone, by the time we get home, cause you know, it's like two in the morning or something like that. Um, 
we get home and um, I'm like, who's texting me? Like at this late, like, you know, my kids here because somebody came to babysit at my house. So I'm like, the people I'm with are with me. And so I look down and it's him. And he's like, you know, I just wanted to make sure you got home safely, you know, whatever. And so I was like, no, you know, and I tell my girls, I'm like, look, he texted. Um, and so uh, the next day I talked to him all day. Um, I kind of had a worse voice than this. He says that I sounded like Barry White when I answered when I cold, uh, cause when I get sick, it's, <laughs> it's what I sound like. Um, so anyway, um, that kind of was the start of, you know, our, that was, that was the start of our relationship and kind of our journey. Um, and even throughout our dating and throughout our courtship, like I still suffer with, you know, shame and feeling unworthy and feeling uncomfortable and, um, having doubt because I felt like, you know, you, he could pick anybody. Like why, why pick me? And, you know, at the beginning of our, you know, dating, we both were, you know, kind of like not really serious, like talking to other people or whatever have you. And I remember asking him like, okay, I know you're talking to somebody else and, you know, um, but why me? And he was just like, I had to make a choice and I chose you. Like it, there's lots of things about you that I like and I could see a future with you and all these different things. And so I definitely was like, you know, like he chose me and coming from the situation that I was in before and feeling like I was not wanted, you know, that was something that just was like, okay, this is a man who made a choice and has options, but this is, you know, what he wants. Um, He's always been very honest. And, you know, that was the thing that I was like, okay, going into my next relationship, I need somebody to be honest with me. And, you know, I always tell him, he's gotten a whole lot better, but I always tell him that, like, you're brutally honest sometimes. Like, no filter. And, you know, I, I, I enjoyed that. He challenged me to be better on the inside and out. And I felt like it was never about my, um, you know, we all know that physical attraction is kind of the first thing or whatever have you, but I never felt like that was all that I was to him. And I never felt like he always wanted me to be better. He always looked out, even knowing my situation, just kind of being very, you know, um, supportive and, um, not pushing or anything like that. So, um, it was, you know, definitely a, a good thing. And I felt like that, um, during that, you know, God was definitely pulling me out of my wreck because I was in a wreck. Um, but he was showing me that in spite of however I felt, who he has for me is for me, what he has for me is for me. And no matter what, no matter how I look, no matter how unqualified I feel like I am, like he, he got me like, and that was it. And so, um, I can say that since then, like I want to say like 2008, 2009 was like the, the, the two years that really kind of molded me, you know, um, it, it, it helped me to really kind of see, like, I was being superficial about so many different things. Um, and I needed to get myself together. And so I, you know, definitely got more involved in church, you know, did, uh, you know, I still have different things that, um, have come about. Um, so in 2016, um, I was in a, a small group for, um, married women. Um, and I got, uh, voluntold to be, um, the apprentice of the group to start to lead an, a, another small group. So it's a small groups, 
um, within a church and, you know, they have subjects or, you know, topics that you talk about and it's like about doing life together. Um, and so at that moment I felt like I can't lead no small group. I don't have, you know, why would anybody pick me, you know, just stand the third and, um, well, I, you know, but I did it cause I was just like, okay. And then, um, once I kind of started it, the nervousness came back because I ended up deciding to do an online small group. And my fear in that was that my face is crooked. Like I don't have to look at people in a video. My face is crooked. I'm ever since 2002, I stand on the left side so that you can't, cause my right side is the side that was affected by the, um, Bell's palsy. I stand on the right side. I am, um, strategic about where I, when I meet new people about where I put my hands so that my face looks symmetrical. I am strategic about how I talk or what I'm saying, because sometimes even now my words slur because my face is still kind of, you know, my mouth is still kind of, uh, paralyzed in some, in some formal fashion. Um, so I've been strategic in making sure I kind of look my best, I, you know, smiling. I don't smile too hard when I'm laughing. I cover my face, um, you know, when I eat my eye waters, like there's so many things about me that made me just kind of like, I am not about to put myself on in, in like in front of other people knowing. And so, um, that it was something I had to overcome, but it was something that I kind of started with, you know? So the name of my small group is slaying self doubt. Um, it didn't start out that way, but as God kind of molded this vision and this, um, plan for me, that was what he wanted me to call it. And, um, I kind of remember telling my husband, like, uh, yeah, that's what I'm gonna call it. He's like, what? And so I'm like, that's what came up. So I'm gonna just do that. Um, and then God would just give me little bits and pieces. So he would say, you know, first it was, you know, change the name of the small group. And then, um, I changed the name of the small group and so many people, you know, joined in. I still have the same, most of the same 12 people who started, um, two years ago. Um, he wanted me to, uh, start an Instagram page. I did that and it was very much so just posting inspirational stuff because I'm still fearful of my face. Um, one of the other things was, you know, the podcast. So I decided to do the podcast because I'm still nervous about my face. Um, and so I feel like that eventually I'll probably get to that, but I, 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 I just, right now I, I can't like, I'm still scared, you know? And so, I know that God has so much more for me, um, but I'm standing in my own way. My fear, my anxiety, my insecurities are what's keeping me right here, just in your ear. Um, I know that there is another side to this. And in order for me to get there, I have to let God get me there. I wrote this down. Um, I can't remember where I heard it, but, um, um, I wrote this down. I, I sorry. I can't remember where I heard it, but it said, God placed the best thing in my life on the other side of fear. Um, I think it was from a sermon I heard somewhere. I listened to a lot of different sermons and I just kind of write, jot stuff down as I hear it. Um, and I, it's the truth. Like, what he has for me is on the other side of me being scared, um, which is why it took me five more months to even do another podcast because I was afraid of what if nobody listens? What if this is a waste of my time? What if, you know, I don't 
what if nobody cares? What if people look at me differently now because they know my story? They know what's, what I'm afraid of. They know the things that made me feel insecure. What if, you know, what if everything? And then one last week, um, matter of fact, on Tuesday, Zion Church had their worship night and Pastor Keith Battle, best kept pastor in the world, um, said, you know, what if, what if your purpose dies with you? What if what God has for you dies with you? Like what now, what are you going to do now? What God is giving you something, you are answer to something. You are, your, your journey and your testimony is supposed to heal and help somebody else. Um, and I've heard this time and time again through the people in my small group, through those people who support me that, um, this is needed. And, um, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm at this point, I'm just doing whatever God is having me to do. Um, I was more fearful about telling my story than all the other topics that I have written down. Um, because it was making me be vulnerable. It was making me tell the truth. It was making me be transparent. And I am, you know, to the people that are closest to me, uh, being transparent with the world is a little bit different, but God, because, um, this is him. This is his work and whatever it is that comes from it um, will be because I know that this is what he has for me. He gave me the vision. He gave me the desire. He gave me the passion. And um, yeah, that's that's where we are. So um, I thank you all for listening to me. I thank you for um, tuning in to the second episode. I hope you tune into um, the next episode that we have, I promise it won't be five months before I record the next episode. Um, but um, until next time, see ya. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial grade supplies for every industry with same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.